0: Is Alexa listening to you in your home? What do the tech companies really know about your behavior? We are going to tackle that today with one of the thought leaders in digital marketing, a former senior vice president at Bank of America, and a former head of marketing at Choice Hotels. Today, we welcome Brent Bolden, partner at New Media Advisors. Stay tuned for this week's edition of the Marketing Chief Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Chief Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Collins. If you'd like to watch this podcast and not just listen to it, head over to our website at MarketingChiefPodcast.com and click on the Episodes tab or search for Marketing Chief Podcast on YouTube. Today, we're welcoming Brett Bolden, a partner in New Media Advisors with a background from Bank of America, Choice Hotels, Deloitte, and others. I just call him the digital guru because he knows more about this space than most anyone I know. So, Brent, welcome to the Marketing Chief Podcast.
1: Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Good to
0: see you. So good to see you. And I'm really excited because you're an expert in this space that is really confusing to a lot of people. And I'm just going to call it digital marketing in in broad terms. But tell us about the types of things that you've done in the past, the types of things that you're doing now. And and then we'll just kind of dive into this topic. And I'm going to ask you to be as layman as you can with with some of your explanations. Yeah, sure. You
1: know, I I got started in digital marketing around 2010, maybe even a little earlier, when it was sort of this annex of marketing, right? You know, you had the marketers that did all the branding and all the offline traditional stuff, and then sort of the geek squad over in the corner doing digital. And uh, that's where I landed, and we were uh so i've sort of grown up as as digital has become a thing um everything from search engine marketing both on the paid side which are the paid ads at the top of a google results page uh, organic search which is everything that's not the paid ads in google uh, display ads which are the you know the banner ads and the little squares on websites that people uh tend to not click on but uh kind of serve for brand awareness purposes uh, we got started in those. And then as social media came online and became an advertising channel, uh, that's grown exponentially and exploded. So I uh, did a lot of that at Bank of America and at Choice. Uh, content marketing, uh, which uh, everything from, uh, you know, content marketing on your own website where you're putting out content, trying to get people to come consume it to, you uh, native advertising, which is content marketing on other sites that looks like uh, content on those sites. Uh, So I've kind of done all of it, Um, primarily now focused in in uh, the search space, uh, and the work that we're doing at new media advisors, but uh, have done it all soup to nuts over the last 10 years.
0: And of those roles, which one has been your, your favorite, whether it's the types of digital programs you were doing or the audiences that you were trying to attract?
1: Well, I mean, I think Bank of America. You know, I was the head of digital media at Bank of America for eight years.
0: Yeah, that, that's a that's a huge job. Let's just be really clear. That's a huge job.
1: Yeah, they, that's a um, when you're in a you know, other than the cell phone industry, I don't think anybody spends more than financial services on in advertising, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to work in that environment, you get a lot of uh, attention from vendors. You get invited to be a lot of involved in a lot of uh, betas and alphas and things like that. So you're getting to do a lot of cutting edge things. And so I found that you know when I left the bank and went into the hotel space at Choice Hotels, um, you know I, I had a lot of uh, insight that hadn't trickled out to other other industries and verticals yet. So uh, we were able to do a lot of cool things at Choice as well that that I learned at Bank of America and. Of course, now, as I'm doing my own consulting type thing, uh, we're taking that knowledge out to other financial services firms.
0: Yeah, what an opportunity to have what I can only imagine were um, an embarrassment of riches as it relates to your budget and the types of things that you were able to try and learn from and then apply it to other companies and other verticals.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a, an embarrassment of riches of both on the, uh, budget side, but on the resources and the, the vendors and you know, you're getting the A squad from everybody. And, uh, it's a bit of a wake up call when you step out of that because you're used to some, you know, I'm used to sort of having everything at my disposal. And then, uh, you move into a smaller company and, and you kind of have to figure out how to do it. And so that was a good learning experience for me to figure out, uh, to take those lessons learned, but to figure out how to do it and do more with less.
0: So the digital world is a complex world, and a lot of consumers don't realize how much information that we as marketers have on them to not only track their behavior, track their location, and predict their behavior. Talk to me a little bit about some of the tools that are used just to give consumers an idea of the wealth of information that we have available to us. Well, you know, it's
1: it's interesting that you bring that up because a lot of that is changing in real time as we speak with privacy laws and, you know, now you have Apple coming out saying they're the a security company and, and uh, blocking a lot of the stuff that we've used. I would say we actually have probably less information today than maybe we did two or three years ago, um, but, you know, you have everything from a data management platform where you're dropping a little piece of uh, code on an advertisement uh, that runs across the web, and I can tell who sees it and where they are when they see it, and I can cobble those interactions together and start to stitch a picture of how my advertising is performing based on who sees it and where. Uh, people are sort of moving away from those to customer data platforms where you're ingesting a lot of information about what people are doing on your own website uh, and what they're interacting with, what they're responding to, and and. Uh, and then you can go out and you know buy syndicated data from a lot of providers. There's companies all over the place that sort of uh, aggregate credit card information. Aggregate, you know, every time you fill out one of those little warranty cards and send it in, that's sharing information about you. And, and uh, we're able to stitch, in some cases, a fairly anonymized profile of people together, but in some cases, a fairly specific identifiable profile. And then we can uh, essentially personalize. Online interactions, particularly when you uh, come to a website and you sign in and you tell people who you are, uh, they're able to cobble together quite a bit of information about you, uh, both from your interactions with them, but also from your uh, interactions on other websites and serve you really relevant uh, advertising and content. And it's sort of a, you know, it gets a bad name on the privacy front, but it really does help us make the interactions more meaningful and more relevant. I personally am a fan of more relevant content showing up in front of me than less. And um, I'm not a fan of those creepy ads that sort of follow you around the internet, that kind of thing. But that's sort of going by the wayside of some of this privacy legislation and, and uh, privacy becomes more front and center in the industry.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on relevant content. I think having uh, exposure or knowledge of how you're being tracked is good. Um, as a marketer, to your point, when we can identify someone, even if it's anonymized, but we know they have these characteristics and these behaviors, then not only can we target them, we can target people that look like them. And that's, you know, a, a huge tool. You mentioned the Apple's changes on the privacy laws and how that's impacting marketers. Um, un- un- unbundle that for me a little bit. You, you did a post the other day, talking about how you didn't think uh, Apple necessarily had our Interest in mind, when you know coming across as, "Hey, we're we're out for your security." So, so talk to talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Apple has specifically come out and changed uh, the way that uh, ads and and data, the way that data is collected uh, in the iOS operating system. And the post I made the other day was that it's a little self-serving because if you sort of peel back a few layers, you start to see that they're not applying the rules to themselves the same way they're applying it to other people, and so. a little back history, Apple was in the advertising space in the early uh, 2010s and went out, of, went out of the space in 2016 and has been sitting on the sidelines for the most part, watching Google and Facebook and Amazon collect all the riches from digital advertising. And so I sort of view it as a way for them to get back in the game and sort of uh, cut the others off at the knees a little bit. iOS is a huge chunk of mobile. And so um, if they can weigh, uh, you know, bend the rules in their own favor, get some good publicity for being privacy centric. Um, It's a win win for them. And it also handicaps their competitors. And I think that's what's really going
0: on. And changing their logo to have a little lock for the Apple, I, I noticed you commented on that, which I thought was was really funny. And talk about how it really is impacting Facebook and why they're so up in arms about this change. Well,
1: I mean, Facebook is a great example of a platform that collects a ton of data about you and serves you really relevant ads. I mean, I think we've all had that moment before where we're talking to something, talking to your family about something, and you log into Facebook and there's an ad for it, and you're wondering, you know, they're so good at it that at times it feels like they're listening to you. And so, <laughs> yes. I don't think they are, but I do think they have really good algorithms. But, you know, when Apple puts these rules in place and and starts blocking some of those uh, data collection mechanisms, Facebook's ability to serve relevant ads goes way down. And so.
0: Go go ahead.
1: No, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make Facebook less good at what Facebook's good at.
0: It's interesting. Have you seen the movie Snowden by any chance?
1: Haven't.
0: So I do wonder if they're listening to us watch that movie Snowden, and, and it'll it'll open your eyes to some things that are going on and sometimes you go yeah i don't think i did anything except talk about that in my family room was alexa listening to me or siri was listening to me um i think the jury's out on that answer to that question for sure It has
1: not been well publicized but i did read about a case a few years ago where um the evidence in a murder trial was the recording that Alexa had of what was happening in the room. And, and so it was, it was subpoenaed and submitted as evidence in a case as proof of the fact that Amazon is Alexa is always on. Mm-hmm. It has to be listening to hear that key the keyword. Um, so um, don't, don't, don't think it's not listening.
0: Listening and then <laughs> recording are two different things, but obviously they're recording because they're having, uh, well, I and mean, I data.
1: for some period of time, and, and that was that was the question that was, you know, listening is obvious, it has to listen, but is it recording? And if so, what, what do they do with that?
0: Mm-hmm. In, in marketing, we used to go out and find consumers and, and find channels to reach them. And now it's more about being found and really intersecting with customers where they are, uh, even where they might be and kind of on the device that they're currently using how does that impact the efforts that you're using for your customers your clients
1: yeah i mean i think we're, we're coming up with new ways of, of finding customers i think um uh, you know going back to some of the changes that have happened um everybody's heard of cookies there's a the little piece of javascript that's dropped on your browser it sort of identifies you as you move around the internet and as those become less prevalent because they're being blocked by an operating system or a browser is no longer using them Um, you're starting to see things like uh, location-based advertising where, um, you know, a technology company will give me the ability to target everyone in a specific zip code, or sometimes it's even tighter than that. It's uh, within a certain radius of a building or something like that. And so uh, we're starting to see those types of of, um, techniques adopted more frequently because uh, it's getting harder to do it the old way. And Mm -hmm. so, you know from a paid advertising perspective at least that's one of the major things we're starting to see is the use of these geographic and other other ways to identify people that aren't necessarily tied to their browser and what they're actually looking at at that moment in time uh, you're starting to see capability to serve real-time digital ads over your connected devices like roku mm-hmm. amazon fire and things like that that's another big uh, trend that we're seeing with our clients and then you know you mentioned being found. We're obviously big big believers in developing uh, content and experiences on your own site that bring people to you and allow you to sort of uh, once somebody comes to your website, the rules change, right? They're in they're in an, uh, an owned environment, and so all these rules about what's allowable and what not allowable sort of go away once you have somebody in your own ecosystem. And so uh, I think that ups the importance of owned channels a lot.
0: I did see uh a while ago a few months ago i think it was one of the pizza companies that um and you, you may have to you'll have to unwrap this from a technology standpoint if the competitor was doing an over the top ad that somehow they were then able to deliver the ad on a mobile device so in other words if pizza hut was doing an ad over the top, and you're watching it through Hulu, and then you'd get an ad for Domino's on your phone. Is that at all ring a bell? Or is that, is that I, in my fantasy? You know, I think there's
1: a couple of different ways that you could do that. Obviously, there's, um, there's, most people don't read the terms of service on your connect on your smart TV. But uh, right. some smart TVs do have the ability to sort of uh, audio recognize the ads being served and served serve different ads, subsequently based on what ads you've already seen. And so um, that's,
0: that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, that's my guess. is It's an audio signature type um, application that allows you to sort of uh, pivot your ad strategy based on what the user's already, quote unquote, listened to.
0: So the TV can record or hear That's what you're saying has a microphone. Um,
1: yes, I know that. Um, I, I don't recall which manufacturers are doing that, but um, it's it's in the terms of service of several ad uh, several TV manufacturers. It's it's specific to certain smart TVs. But mm-hmm. you when you opt into the smart functionality, part of it is listening to the content being
0: shown. You take something like, "Hey, I've got voice command on my TV" as a really cool thing, and then all of a sudden you realize you've just given up some privacy, or you know. Well, again,
1: I think it's that trade-off, right? I think people mm-hmm. in general want, uh, as long as you're not using it in malicious or uh, you know underhanded ways, and you're not being on, uh, transparent about it. I think um, if we're if we're able to make a value exchange, um, it, it's good for both of us, right? It's good for the advertiser because I can get it in front of people that care, and it's good for the consumer because they're getting, you know, they're not getting ads for products that are completely irrelevant.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I, I think if it was clear to everybody, it would be even better, right? Because to your point, who reads the terms of service? Nobody well, goes through that's that.
1: the catch. That's the dilemma, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, marketers get a bad rap for, you know, you're collecting data, and you're doing all this stuff with it. And it, is it my fault that no one reads the terms of service? <laughs> <laughs> you looked into it, you said you hit no day. And, and I nobody reads that I don't either. But um, I don't know a better way.
0: All right. You mentioned a minute ago about content on your own website and how that drives visitors. What kind of uh, philosophy do you have to create compelling content to get people coming to you?
1: Well, I I think um, the days of creating content for the sake of SEO or for the the sake of being found in search engines or or, uh, just for its own Mm -hmm. sake uh, are gone right when i first started uh, doing content marketing at bank of america you could publish an article seven ways to save on your next vacation and it was novel and nobody else was doing it now it's just a dime a dozen so Mm -hmm. i do think that um but every brand has a unique voice and a unique story and and uh, you and i both worked in in brands where there's subject matter experts in the house in-house that, uh, whether it be in the restaurant business talking about the food and the way it's prepared and served, or in banking, whether it's talking about sort of what makes a local community bank unique and the stories of the the people in the community they've helped. Um, so those are the types of stories that um, work really well for bringing people into the site, both because it's not something that every other website has. But also because it's um, people like stories. People want to hear authentic stories and authentic voices. We 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 constantly are harping on the fact that you write for people, not search engines, and Google's getting good enough at determining, uh, parsing out what's what's good for search engines and what's good for people, and indexing towards what's good for people. And so, um, figuring out what those stories are sometimes takes a little bit of uh, time, and it takes a little bit of. Uh, coaxing brands to say uh, no you do have the authority to talk about this this and this because a lot of brands are like I I don't really have the authority to speak on that topic and Mm -hmm. um, human stories are human stories uh, and and brands um, would benefit from telling more of them
0: how does google figure that out decide who has the reputation or the brand to do it and I know that recently they changed their algorithm which changed a lot of seo stuff maybe you can talk about that as well well, there's a lot of
1: signals that you can bake into the content itself. It starts with, um, like I said, writing good content that's written in, in, in words that people use, not sort of trying to trick search engine, stuffing a bunch of.
0: Yeah. Not in keywords, every fifth word. Right. Right. Or, <laughs>
1: you know, little tiny text at the bottom of the page or trying to do all these right. tricks that used to do, that used to work, you know, 20 years ago. But, um, I think that there's other things It's um, it used to be sort of, um, people were apprehensive about citing external sources and linking out to external sources. Well, Google has basically said, the more you prove that you're a credible source by citing, it, by, by showing us your sources, the better you'll do. And so people have started to put more citations into their own content and be less apprehensive to say, well, I don't want to create a hole in my funnel by linking out to some other website. Now it's sort of becoming best practice to do that. Um, it's also really good practice. And brands have always been apprehensive of identifying an actual person as the author. Like mm-hmm. nobody thinks, you know, Bank of America does not write a piece of content. It's, a, it's an entity, right? You, who, who is the person at Bank of America that writes that content? You know, it's, it's authorship and, and putting a real human behind the story.
0: Is it better to be someone who's an expert and have a point of view that doesn't link out to other other places for support as an example you know with your experience i'm sure you have content that you are publishing on your website i've I've read some of it i've read some of it on linkedin is it better for you to just do that as its entirety versus linking out to sources because you are smart enough to put it all together in your own head right
1: well i mean i think um I think citing external, uh, in some industries, it's more important than others. So, um, Google has a thing called, uh, your money, your life, which is basically, uh, if you're in the medical space, if you're in the, um, financial space, if you're in a, if you're in a vertical where like the content that you're producing is going to impact somebody's physical well-being or their money, uh, it's important to have some credibility to it. There's so much bad advice floating around, you know, uh-huh. I, during COVID there was people saying, you know, uh, ingest silver and it will cure you of COVID. Trying to get a, they don't want to be a, a hub of bad information. And so in some industries, it's more important than others. And, and financial services and medical are two where it is important to cite sources.
0: So assume I'm a young entrepreneur. I have my own business. It's a retail location. I just launched a website. What strategies or how would you approach a business center like that to say hey here are the here are the building blocks of what you need to do for your website to build visitation as well as e-commerce and those kind of things. I know it varies based on vertical and stuff like that but just in general terms.
1: Well, I, people often ask you know or we'll talk to people and they've got a huge paid budget or or they're doing a significant amount of paid budget and their website is horrible and mm-hmm. like um, it's super slow and it doesn't uh, it doesn't rank well. I'm a big fan of telling people like you know clean your own house before you start paying to invite people to it. And mm-hmm. so, um, I always start with what the the site itself, how it's built, how it's structured. You know, from a technology, I think you can you can develop a, a basic site on WordPress and still optimize it and have it working well. Uh, so uh, a lot of what we initially find is there's optimizations to be made in the way you're loading your uh, images, the way that you're using JavaScript on the site that's slowing you way down. Google just released an algorithm change at the beginning of June that says site speed is, uh, is important. We all know that. Um, so we start there. Uh, with and then we start to look. Uh, a lot of sites are amazingly thin on content you know you have four or five pages and you're like i don't understand why i'm not ranking on google and Mm -hmm. there's not enough there to rank Uh, or you'll have pages that have uh you know everything you ever wanted to know about x and it's a 200 word article and there's no way that's everything anybody wanted to know it's not comprehensive enough and so Mm -hmm. um we're often counseling folks on you know you don't need to develop uh 1800 pages, but you need more than four pages of content if you're going to attempt to be competitive in the space that you're in. And so, um, frequently we're advising on creating more content, um, and then figuring out how to link those con those pages together. The way Google works is it crawls your site. It sees what, uh, site, what pages are connected to what, and it starts to build sort of a understanding of what your site is authoritative on. And so you really do need to, um, have a, a body of content and have it relevantly linked amongst itself. Um, so, if I have a pages on a page on, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what retail they might be in, what vertical, but you know, let's say it's sporting goods, and I have a page that's on, you know, uh, basketball, linking out to other pages that are also about basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then connecting those pages to sales experiences and sort of stitching the site's experience together. So you're not creating a lot of dead ends when people come into your website uh, is important. Um, that's, that's where I would start. And then of course, you know, um, I I think when you're, when you're first getting started in the paid media space, I think paid search is where, where it's at from a starting perspective, Mm -hmm. you spend a lot of money on display advertising and get nothing from it, at least paid search your, um, your going out and finding people that are hand raising, looking for the product, declaring their interest in the products that you sell and not wasting time serving ads to people that may or may not be in the market for, for your business.
0: And for such a changing environment in the digital world, Google and others, it's almost monumental for a business owner to figure all that out, all the things you just talked about, which I'm guess is why you have new media advisors. <laughs> That's right. so, so tell us about what you're doing now, what your company does, who your audience is, who your you know, the, the types of clients you have, and the, and the, really the types of problems you solve. Because having an effective digital strategy really can move and transform your business.
1: It can, and uh, you're right. I think uh, the expertise uh, it's starting to become more prevalent and people are starting to, you're starting to be able to find more of it on the market because it's been around for longer. But um, finding people that have done it at the size and scale uh, that, that my partner and I and the media advisors have done is hard. You know, mm-hmm. um, he led, he was my right-hand person at both uh, Bank of America and Choice Hotels. Uh, oh, great. And so um, we had often talked about going out and helping other companies do um, digital more effectively. And, and uh, that's where we're focused. We started out uh we've been around for about a year now and when we first started our goal was to just sort of be digital advisors to c-level executives that needed digital and uh, what we quickly found was that that's way too general you know like Mm -hmm. you need a a vertical you need a value prop that's easy to communicate and so uh, we've repositioned and primarily focused on financial services companies sort of taking that cachet that comes from being the bank of america guys and that gets a lot of conversations and so um We're focused on everything from small community banks with 10 locations, all the way up to uh, we've got a couple of clients that are you know top 15 type banks. It's a two person organization if JP Morgan called and said, we need you to come do our SEO two guys can't do it so there's a certain level that we probably uh, can't serve uh, at least as your agency of record, we could come in and help you do a strategy project or something along those lines. But uh, our sweet spot is is sort of uh, regional and community banks, credit unions, uh, and really stepping in and helping them, like you said, figure out what does, what does effective digital look like?
0: Would you also be someone that could come in and evaluate the resources, external resources that a company has already engaged? Maybe sure. kind of, you know, make sure they're doing spending the right way and, and being effective with the money?
1: Well, that is so interesting. One of the things that we found is that, um, the, at least in financial services, it's a very much of a sale of the haves as a haves and the have nots, right? Mm-hmm. The top 10 have enough money to spend. They have multiple agencies and quickly thereafter, it drops off to having very little to any external support. And, and, um, the interesting part is that a lot of these smaller players, they buy their advertising from WXYZ in whatever town they're in, and, mm-hmm. uh, and what's happened is these these media companies, these television stations, have gone out and built digital advertising arms, mm-hmm. and so um, they, they they do they get a ton of business because they're the local news station in whatever market, and they cobble together. 50 small businesses into a very sizable media buy but the reporting is horrible the you don't really know what they're getting what you're getting but you do get the opportunity to go into your board meeting once a month and say we have ads running all over the internet Here's a screenshot (laughs) Um, and in some cases that's all they care about Uh, and so uh, yes we're we're bumping into that frequently where you go in and you're like so what are you guys doing in digital and they're they're like well we buy it from you know this company and uh, we get a, a quarterly report on it and it's just it's bad. So, um, but, but some of that is a a function of uh, size and scale. Some of these companies we're talking to have two or three people in marketing, and you can't expect them to be like on the cutting edge of digital. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, we're trying to educate and help people sort of learn to fish a little bit.
0: Yeah, there, there aren't a lot of companies that are good at that, unless you're at a certain size, and attribution and analytics around that are all over the place. I often feel when I've talked to agencies or even internal people in the past, that they're talking to me about impressions and return on ad spend and blah, blah, blah. And it's not tied directly to business results, right? It's not tied to transactions or visits. And sometimes I feel like it's pretty fluffy out there.
1: Yeah, we had that a lot at Choice Hotels. Um, you know, We would um, work with an analytics, we had multiple analytics partners and attribution. and. They would come in and say, your your return on ad spend is X, and um, these are the most effective channels, and it would just be like, I mean, I believe you, you're you're the experts on it. This does not align to sort of what we're seeing on the back end in terms of financial results. And so um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think that some of the changes in privacy and cookies and tracking and stuff are going to push some of those sort of fluffier providers out of the business, because it's just not as easy to do that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. um but again I, I do think that um for all the limitations that are coming in digital or that are in place in digital it's still eminently more measurable than an ad on a tv screen or a billboard or you
0: know 100% I absolutely agree with you there and i love that marketing has changed from kind of spray and pray you know remember the old mm-hmm. uh was it john wanamaker from the supermarket who said i, I you know, half my advertising is working. I just don't know which half kind of thing. And that has been long a criticism of the marketing discipline. And now it is very much more analytical and attributable and accountable. I've, I embrace that. I love that. Yeah. Um, because it, it's, it's not just fluffy ads and, and that kind of thing. But as I hear you talking about the challenges and the things you do for your clients, and I get why you are focused on the financial vertical, but those skills apply to anybody. Like you, you could, you could, you could pick up a restaurant client or a retail client tomorrow. And those skills are very applicable.
1: For sure. For sure. And and we're not limited to that. That just is the, you know, um, part of part of the hardest thing of moving from big corporate jobs into entrepreneurship was figuring out, I, I know how to sell credit cards. I know how to sell hotel rooms. I don't particularly know how to sell my own stuff, my services. And so um we went through some training on how to, how to sell consulting services and, um, financial services was more of a positioning statement for us than it was a, Hey, we're only good at this. We've worked in a, we've worked with a construction company. Our biggest client is actually a nonprofit right now, and they're not, in, they're not in financial at all. So, um, that's where we were concentrating from a, uh, market facing positioning perspective, but, uh, we could serve almost any vertical. I mean, we've done, it doesn't get much more complicated and difficult than 7,000 hotel locations. I mean, <laughs> we did that at choice. And I, and I think any, any, uh, any company uh, that we would talk to would be sort of less complex than that.
0: For sure. I would think, however, you'd be really good at search. Well,
1: you have to be really good. <laughs> you'd be really good at how to, de- how to connect the data pipes and how to, uh, how to do digital. Because um, going back to some of our conversation uh, earlier, uh, this afternoon. You have franchisees. Choice Hotels is entirely franchise-based. And so it's 7,000 franchisees. And every single one of them cares only about that one property that they own. And so
0: sure.
1: you got 7,000 people to keep happy. So you really have to get sharp at doing it.
0: As there are changes in the marketplace and privacy concerns and security, et cetera, and kind of some limitations coming or have come, first party first-party data, becomes more important, which is the data that you collect. What are strategies, the best way to improve that for businesses? Well, I
1: think it starts uh, with getting authentication. Um, Part of the challenge that I had shifting from banking to hotels was in banking, everyone signs in, right? Everyone, Mm -hmm. the reason you come to the website is to sign in and check on something. So almost 90% of the time we knew who we were talking to. Then you go to hotels no one signs in unless they're ready to book. And so it's very challenging to know uh, who we were talking to and how to do personalization. And so uh, to the extent possible, moving that sign in experience and and giving some reason for someone to sign in, sign in and check your, you know, check your points or, you know, sign in, figuring out how to get people to self-identify is really critical. Um, Having a good first party data strategy. I think people have gotten lazy over the years with like, I can just buy data from a retargeting company and, um, I don't really need to worry about sort of what happens on my own site, but really now it's become uh, really important to have a first party data strategy and think about what you want to say to someone when you get them on your site and have them identify themselves.
0: Did you use loyalty programs at choice to help with that?
1: Huge loyalty program, 40 million members. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. That's, that's a huge number. Yeah. You so said industry leading? It is yeah.
1: an industry leading. Choice Privileges is an industry leader. Uh, it typically wins first or second in the USA Today award every year for the best hotel loyalty program because it, it has a ton of redemption options. You can know, play golf. You can go to resorts in the Caribbean. You don't just have to stay at a quality end. That, the key for a brand like Choice where a lot of your hotels are in the sort of mid-scale or economy brand is People are, are fine to stay there and collect points, but they don't want to redeem points for that. So, you That's know, what makes, uh, what makes their program good is that it's easy to earn points on the sort of meat and potatoes hotel stays that you do when you're traveling for your business, and you can redeem them on the aspirational
0: stuff. Well, uh, we are getting close to our time here. One thing, just tell our audience again about New Media Advisors and – yeah, what so, you offer and and how they can contact you and
1: well, what we're trying to do is not be an agency. We're sort of the anti-agency in the sense of what we see is a lot of companies bring an agency partner on, they stick around for years and years and years. You know, you you got the A team during a pitch, and now that everybody's rotated <laughs> off, and you've got a different cast of characters. I have
0: it's felt weird. that pain. <laughs>
1: What we want to do is we want to come in we're going to hit the ground running. We're going to give you value within the first three months. And at some level, three, six, nine, 12 months, we're going to, we want to teach you to fish. We want to, we want to, this isn't a permanent relationship unless you want it to be, but our, our model is to come in teach you to fish and get out. And so, um, we're, we're focused largely on the, um, digital performance marketing space. Uh, I, I don't have a seat on an ad exchange. I can't buy your media for you, but I can come in and help you. Uh, fine-tune your operations if that's what you need I can help you build a center of excellence i can help you establish an SEO program or i can help you figure out if you have the right uh, butts and seats
0: and so you can help grow people somebody who's trying to build a digital department and help mentor some of the team members is that yes. fair
1: yes um, we that is we've been very successful at teaching people like People don't know what to look for. You know, I have Google Analytics, but I don't even know what to look at when I log in there. And we can sort of help you understand what matters and help you sort of uh, synthesize all the data that you're getting from all the reporting systems that you have and uh, sort of make sense of how this works so that when we leave, you're at least able to do it. Uh, You know, you might not be a deep expertise, but you enough to run your marketing department.
0: So how can they get in touch with you if someone's interested in learning more about engaging your services?
1: Email is brent at newmediaadvisors.com. Our website is newmediaadvisors.com. I'm prolific on LinkedIn. I post at least a couple times a week. Love to connect with people there. Um, you and I are connected. They can go see you and uh, and find me there as well.
0: Yeah, and I really appreciate your what you share and what you write on LinkedIn. It's very informative. Uh, loved it and uh, keep doing that. and and thanks Brent for so much for being on the marketing chief podcast and uh, we'll have to do it again the next time Google makes a change or Facebook makes a change which will probably be in a week yeah next week I'll be on on every episode
1: for a second yeah it's been great Rob thank you for having
0: me thanks a lot if you like what you hear on the marketing chief podcast be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app or YouTube and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Marketing Chief Podcast.